the big trick to break the old society, the old ways of doing things, the old culture, and create the new. You can certainly be enslaved when you think you're having fun, because that's when the big boys are rushing ahead and building a prison around you, a prison that generally is invisible to begin with, but then begins to manifest itself in your lifetime until you find you can't move without permission. The days between being followed by a policeman don't bring you comfort anymore. You're terrified when there's a cop on your tail. You don't know if you'll end up in the hospital getting tasered or what. Things have changed drastically and our servants are our masters. I'll be back with more after this break. Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I try to keep people in the land of reality, the real reality, because believe you me, there's so much disinformation put out there by those who control the cultures and the media, the entertainment industry, and you'll find a lot of them, in fact, or you even belong to various intelligence organizations and sub-sects thereof. They're put out into society to truly spin off the truth into science fiction. That's their job. Where people cannot tell the difference between reality and fiction anymore. That's even in the Department of Psychological Warfare, their, their, their manual. I downloaded one of their manuals recently. It's for public access. It's made available to the general public. And they tell you, isn't it, that they have to blur the distinction between reality and fiction to paralyze an enemy. And that really is what happens. We've been taught to see that we're insignificant as individuals, that nothing we can do will really change society in any great way. That, that's the first big lie. You swallow the lies, you see, to be conquered. And then they tell you, and this was a project, I think Bill Cooper mentioned it once, I think it was Project Jason, that was, was born back in the 50s or so, or 60s, 1960s, where they, if they said if mankind could be convinced that some superior type alien intelligence had created them to be inferior species, uh, then the war would be over. You can't beat your master. You're too inferior, you see. And we saw the, the plethora of science fiction movies along that theme. And then out came certain writers to do with well, the Anunnaki, you see, created you to be an inferior-type slave. And all of that kind of stuff went right, right along with that agenda. Big money promoted that agenda, too. And then many other people, even in the Patriot Movement, came, up, came out and carried that thing forward and blended fact with fiction until you throw out the baby with the bathwater, you throw out the truth with the fiction and become disgusted at it all. That is psychological warfare. That's how it works. People also ask me many times about spirituality and how you find it. And generally what they do is to try and find out what people have done before. They don't realize that the message all down through the ages is that you are like the journey of the sun. You are, your life is the sun's journey in a day. You're born, you go through it. 
you learn, you're powerful at times, and then you go, you, you give your life for the world, as they say, at sunset. Only you can experience your own experiences. Anything else is following someone else's belief. Therefore, you can't simply purely emulate 100% someone else. You're trying to be someone else. You can certainly take wisdom from people, bits and pieces and philosophies, and bits and pieces of that too. And don't forget that even within the philosophies, they are meant to bend a person's mind into a certain direction by what was called at the time different noble orders or societies. You must think for yourself. Which brings me to a topic I just grabbed tonight because I was thinking about how we're conned left, right, and center and how we've been trained even to do with recycling. And I thought about it at the time. I can remember when the big push was on to stop paper bags being sold at grocery stores and shops and everything suddenly had to be plastic and how much more environmentally friendly it was going to be. And if you've noticed, you can't even carry a bag out of a grocery store today without the tins or whatever you've got inside it falling through them. They're so thin. And plastic is all a byproduct of the petroleum industry, the oil company industries, the big boys again, the guys who own the foundations that run the world. And here's one person in Japan, you have to go to Japan to get someone with some common sense on this topic, who's Professor Kunihiko Takeda. He's a professor uh, at, uh, at an institute of, of science and technology research at Chubu University. And he's written books on this and different papers on this whole idea of, of sustainability and so on, and how we've been stampeded along to this path that we're going extinct because we're consuming too much. He says here, our future is bright as long as we stop recycling old ideas and things. The new paradigm is always better than the one before. Our air quality, water and food quality are higher than in previous generations. Now that's true. You know, even in the West, you we forget that they had massive sulfuric clouds over parts of England during the Industrial Revolution, right into the late 1800s, early 1900s. Well, all those factories have gone. And they don't burn coal anymore. But they keep hyping that it's never been as bad as it is today. It's all how you perceive things if you, if you actually swallow the indoctrination and propaganda that's never-ending. So he says here that the air, food, and quality are higher previous generations and our life expectancy is longer there's no need to worry humans are smart because I'm a teacher before I'm a scientist in the first year of university I talk about the concept of dedication which students don't seem to know at all for them studying is something they do for themselves but really it is what we do to contribute to others lives recycling is rubbish it eats more energy and creates more waste than burning our garbage in high-tech incinerators the most efficient way of getting rid of garbage is burning it all together. Why? Because in raw garbage, plastics turn into their own fuel, so you don't need to add anything else. Because it's made from basically oil products, you see. Al aluminium and steel should be recycled, though, as we need less energy for that than to produce them from scratch. Then he goes on to say something which is very important. He's a guy that thinks, you see. It's very rare these days. He says, fear is a very efficient weapon. 
it produces the desired effect without much waste. Isn't that the truth? Global warming has nothing to do with how much CO2 is produced or what we do here on Earth. For millions of years, solar activity has been controlling temperatures on Earth, and even now the sun controls how high the mercury goes. CO2 emissions make absolutely no difference one way or another. Soon it will cool down anyhow, once again regardless of what we do. Every scientist knows this, but it doesn't pay to say so. For the hard of thinking, or repeat that last part, every scientist knows this, but it doesn't pay to say so. That's how they make their living, is on smelling the wind, seeing what direction it goes, and making their, their, getting their grants from the big boys who are directing this agenda. He says, what makes a whole lot of economic and political sense is to blame global warming on humans and create laws that keep the status quo and prevent build-up and coming nations from developing. Global warming is a political vehicle, a political vehicle, right? That's what it is. Keeps Europeans in the driver's seat and developing nations walking barefoot. And that is true. They don't want people in developing nations becoming developed because they won't have access in the West to plundering their land for minerals and metals and all the rest of it. Just criticizing previous ideals is natural. In the 1930s, militarism was considered best. In the 1960s, mass production and mass consumerism. Then in the 1990s, the main topic was the environment. Every 30 years we switch what we believe in. This paradigm will pass too. And he's right, but he probably doesn't know that it's planned that way, you see. It's just look beyond what governments tell you. Some praise ethanol as a substitute for oil. But making fuel out of corn makes sense only if you want to increase the price of corn and fuel at the same time. In order to grow corn, one needs lots of fuel. And once the corn is ready, instead of becoming, becoming, uh, is, is, oh, I lost it here. Only if, it, yeah. In order to grow corn, one needs the price of fuel. And once the corn is ready, instead of becoming a nice meal, it gets picked and turned back into fuel again. This is just a way to purposely create a food and energy shortage. This is just a way to purposely create a food and energy shortage. That's for the hard of thinking again. Until only the very rich can afford to eat and move. Well, you see, whether he knows it or not, he's, he's right on target here. Whether he knows it for the right reasons, I don't know. He said getting married is easier than getting divorced. Same if we have a bowl of rice and a bowl of soybeans. It's easy to mix the two, but very hard to separate them. For water and red ink, it is next to impossible. It should take the same energy to mix and separate things, but it does not. This is the rule of entropy. Now imagine the whole Earth from space, and you can see entropy at work. Pet, it's just pet bottles, newspapers, and cars are scattered around, and recycling is an attempt to put all the groups together again. Consumerism, marketed as environmentalism or environmental consciousness, is the worst. Take the My Hashi campaign, for example, which is buying and carrying reusable chopsticks rather than using disposable ones. Chopsticks should be made out of the unnecessary branches that are cut to help trees grow bigger. And that's true. Just think about it. How they con you and con you and con you. They actually throw away all that stuff that they cut off the, the, the trees when they're trimming them. And that's what you make the chopsticks out of. And they tell them they're scarce. 
instead of burning, instead of burning those branches, we, we should make chopsticks. That would be good for both the trees and us. Tell your perceptions are distorted when you don't think for yourself. You can be fooled so easily by propaganda. And it's true we've been taught not to think or reason for ourselves, like Signor Brzezinski says. So this is a good article. People should go into it and read it for themselves. And that's about Professor, or written by Professor Junihiko Takeda. And that's the Japan Times Online from July 22nd, 2008. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, trying to get to the heart of the matter. And it's not an easy job because we have so much in our way, so much data and disinformation and entertainment, and often the two are mixed together so much. And I've found that from a lot of these New Age prophets that are doing their circuits in the world. They're blended with uh, groups of patriotists, or at least patriot um, programs, and they really are fuzzying reality even more so. Uh, people stop trying to do something about what's happening in their own lives because they think it's hopeless after all if, you, if some big giant lizard made you to be an inferior type slave well you can't beat that can you you're done for and that's psychological warfare that's how it works it's, it's not easy getting to truth and therefore it's best to stick to the mainstream books the ones that are put out by the big boys the technocrats they call them those that move behind the scenes who are advisors to presidents and prime ministers across the world and who write books about it. They write books about the agenda. Quite blatantly, right in your face, it's just that they're not widely known or they're not publicized much. They're not on the New York's best, best uh, readers list for the week. And you have to think for yourself once you've read them because it's hard to digest the fact that there are people in this world who plan ahead by the generations, many generations, who have objectives to reach. And they don't care how many people or wars they create in the process, how many people they kill, they don't care. It's irrelevant to them. They're psychopathic in nature. I can remember reading about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, had, he was into toy soldiers his whole life long, even when he died. He had a whole massive room laid aside and Blenheim Castle, his home, his family home. And he had, he had the mainstream battles of Waterloo and all these kind of main, main battles lined up with all the toy soldiers and all the cannon and so on. And that's how he saw real people, just the same way. They were just toy soldiers to him. These are the psychopathic types who plan our future. They have mandates. They say at the top in masonry, the three men marching in step can do far more than a hundred all walking at their own pace and doing their own thing. In other words, they're organized. And they close ranks and they protect and help each other along the way. 
We're going under the biggest tyranny the world has ever seen. And it must be the biggest tyranny because they plan to eliminate that part of us which is human, that part which gives us empathy and hope and love and tears and laughter and all the rest of it. Because it's in the way of being efficient. It's not efficient enough. And it also gives you your individuality. You must eliminate individuality. The United Nations has written about that. They say that their biggest problem is individuality. They claim it causes wars and all this kind of stuff. Utter nonsense. They know darn well that to standardize a world, you must eliminate people who are characters, people with true character, who've developed their own individuality. It's individuals down through the ages who've given us the best works of writing and thought and philosophy. They never came from the bulk of the populace who follow. Never. This article here is from Michael Chisodowski from globalresearch.ca on September the 11th, 2008. It says here, today's global war on terrorism is a modern form of inquisition. Read about the inquisition. It has all the essential ingredients of the French and Spanish inquisitions, going after Islamic terrorists, carrying out a worldwide preemptive war. Preemptive means you attack first, because you suspect you might get attacked. Suspect, but a great justification. Just to protect the homeland are used to justify a military agenda. The global war on terrorism is presented as a clash of civilizations, a war between competing values and religions, when in reality it is an outright war of conquest, guided by strategic and economic objectives. The, G the GWOT is the ideological backbone of the American empire. It defines U.S. military doctrine, including the preemptive use of nuclear weapons against the state sponsors of terrorism. Again, all these little buzzwords, state sponsors. You hear all these things used over and over and you never think what they mean. The preemptive defensive war, defensive war doctrine, and the war on terrorism against al-Qaeda constitute essential building blocks of America's national security strategy as formulated in early 2002. The objective is to present preemptive military action, meaning war as an act of self-defense against two categories of enemies, rogue states. Now, that's from the United Nations. Anyone who pulls out and goes their own way is called a rogue nation or a rogue state. And Islamic terrorists, both of which are said to possess weapons of mass destruction. I'm using all the slogans here. The logic of the outside enemy and the evildoer responsible for civilian deaths prevails over common sense. In the inner consciousness of Americans, the attacks of September the 11th, 2001, justify acts of war and conquest. It says America's Inquisition continues. The legitimacy of the Inquisition is not mentioned or questioned. The global war on terrorism justifies a mammoth defense budget at the expense of health and education. I'll be back with more of this article, which is very important, after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I'm going through a document here, a report from globalresearch.ca by Professor Chusadovsky, talking about the techniques that are used through propaganda to the people and how we have our opinions given to us, we have our perceptions given to us by experts. That's their job. They're a form of scientist. And they understand how we think and how we, in, we process information. And they can control whole nations this way by selective propaganda, selective information, and the omission of the truth always, and definitely a lot of omission of all the other sides of any story. It says here, this under, this lie, the lies underlying 9-11 are known and documented the American people's acceptance of this crusade against evil is not based on any rational understanding or analysis of events. America's inquisition is used to extend America's sphere of influence and justify military intervention as part of an international campaign against Islamic terrorists. Its ultimate objective, which is never mentioned in press reports, is territorial conquest and control or strategic resources. And this goes hand in glove with this interdependence, global interdependence that you're all told about. You see, you hear now and then how we're all interdependent. And it is true. The economic system is completely blended, intertwined all over the world. All the rich people have, have their, their shares in companies across the whole planet. They don't have nations anymore when it comes to economics at the top. Just a huge web of interrelated shares and resources and so on in corporations. It says here the GWOT dogma is enunciated and formulated by the Washington's neoconservative think tanks. It is carried out by the military intelligence establishment. It is embodied in presidential speeches and press conferences. This is what George Bush said on September the 16th, 2001, We've been warned there are evil people in this world. We've been warned so vividly, and we'll be alert. Your government is alert. The governors and mayors are alert. That evil folks still lurk out there. As I said yesterday, people have declared war in America, and they have made a terrible mistake. My administration has a job to do, and we're going to do it. We will rid the world of the evildoers. September the 6th, 16th, 2001. The objective of the global war on terrorism launched in September 2001 is to galvanize public support, because the first thing you must do for war is get public support. Galvanize public support for a worldwide campaign against heresy in the eyes of public opinion. Possessing a just cause for waging war is central, is crucial. A war is said to be just if it is waged on moral religious or ethical grounds so they bring the terminology in religious terminology and moral terminology and talk about ethics and so on the demonization of Muslims and the battle for oil US led war in the broader Middle East Central Asian region consists in gaining control over extensive reserves of oil and natural gas the Anglo-American oil giants also seek to gain control over oil and gas pipeline routes out of the region. 
Muslim countries possess 66% of total oil reserves. You can read that too from Michael Chusadovsky, The Demonization of Muslims and the Battle for Oil. That's another article he wrote. And that was from January the 4th, 2007. To get back to the original article, it says, In contrast, the United States of America has barely 2% of total oil reserves. Iraq has five times more oil than the United States. Demonization is applied to an enemy which possesses more, uh, more than 60% of the world's oil reserves. Axis of evil, rogue states, failed nations, Islamic terrorists, demonization and vilification are the ideological pillars of America's inquisition. They serve as a causes belli for waging the battle for oil. The battle for oil requires the demonization of those who possess the oil. The enemy is characterized as evil with a view to justifying military action, including the mass killing of civilians. Then he goes into the historical origins of the Inquisition. The objective is to sustain the illusion that America is under attack by Al-Qaeda. Under the American Inquisition, Washington has a self-proclaimed holy mandate to extirpate Islamic fundamentalism and spread democracy throughout the world. Isn't, isn't that the way they're doing it? Going after bin Laden is part of a consensus. Fear and insecurity prevail over common sense. Despite the evidence, the White House, the State Department, the two-party system cannot, in the minds of Americans, be held responsible for a criminal act resulting in the deaths of American civilians. What we are dealing with is an outright and blind acceptance of the structures of power and political authority. You should read that for yourselves. The rest of this article, they're showing the techniques that have been used down through the ages to justify plunder. But it's more than just that. It's to change the entire world. Remember, it's a hundred years war. A hundred years war where nothing, remember that statement we heard after 9-11, nothing is ever going to be the same again. That was broadcast to the world. And you should listen to these little statements that come out after these disasters. Because they mean it, they're legalities. You've also got new freedom, a new definition of freedom. Did you choose that definition? No. It was done by your betters, those who planned it all in the first place. And here's an article from the French. The French, the people who are pretty quiet and not like because of their French fries and all the rest of it, who tend to do a lot of navel-gazing and pretending the world's not there, it doesn't exist around them, but it's catching up to them regardless because their boys are in on it too. This is from the SN, msnbc.com uh, com home website. And it says here, French issue called to storm electronic Bastille. Government to store personal information on people as young as 13. 13. It says here, and this is from September the 4th, 2008, Paris, opposition to a new security database gaining momentum in France. Now, I mentioned, because it's the same worldwide, they're doing this everywhere. It's gaining momentum in France as people return to work after a summer break during which the government authorized the state to store personal information on people as young as 13. The decree creating the Edvige electronic database appeared in the official gazette on July the 1st. 
when the country was winding down for the summer, but news of its content has been gradually filtering out and is now stirring fierce criticism. The Edvige database has no place in a democracy, wrote Michel or Michael Pizet, a lawyer and former member of a body charged with protecting French citizens from electronic prying, in Thursday's edition of the paper Le Monde. It says there's nothing in the decree that sets limits or a framework where the database is used with or without moderation depends only on orders from up high. The electronic Bastille is upon us. He was referring to the notorious Paris fortress in which French kings could arbitrarily imprison opponents until it was stormed on July the 14th, 1789, at the start of the French Revolution. The decree says the aim is to centralize, centralization, remember, the major plank of communism, and analyze data on people aged 13 or above who are active in politics or labor unions at 13 years of age who play a significant institutional, economic, social, or religious role, or religious role, or who are likely, likely to breach public order. See, they're collecting your personality profile, and from that they'll say you're likely or unlikely to, to breach public order in your lifetime. So they want to basically grab you before it happens, like a pre-arrest, they call it. The information that can be collected includes addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, physical appearance, behavioral traits, fiscal and financial records, and details about people who have personal ties with the subject. Critics say this means the police can store data on people's ethnic origin, sexual preference, or intimate relationships. An online petition calling the government to scrap Edvidge has gathered over 103,700 signatures since July the 10th, according to its website. And the reason I'm reading this is because, as I say, this is happening across the world. There are no countries anymore. The boys, the boys who are in this big world club, the big club that was created before the United Nations was set up officially, and who run this world, run all the countries. They're one big club at the top. They're all doing the same things worldwide at the same time. Until we can't move, we're going to be stifled. Because under the UN agenda of free trade and the free flow of goods and labor, as they stated it, they also state that too, by the way, uh, for the American Union, the free flow of goods and labor. But it's not a free flow of goods. You try and sell something across stateside if you're not authorized. It's for the ones who are authorized only, the big corporations. And the free flow of labor... It sounds so wonderful to people who, who want to think globally, and you're free, a free labor. Why not just, just move and work? No, this is labor, you see, where you've been sponsored into the country by the corporation that needs you. That's where it's coming down to, because the countries are going to turn into prison camps for everyone. And if you can't get out of the country through some corporation needing your assistance, you won't get out. In fact into the Sovietized system which has been set up eventually with your ID card you won't be able to move out of your own area without permission or a pass or a permit that's what's coming down I hope you realize it and there's always double meanings behind what they tell you don't take anything at face value check it out look at their preambles on these these various charters they draw up at the United Nations and for the summit of the Americas, 
and the Union of the Americas. Look at the preambles because they give you the definitions of the terms they will be using. And it's, they're generally so far away from what you would think if you didn't read the new definitions. So I'll go to the callers now and we've got um, Z from New York. Are you there, Z? Yeah, hey, Alan. Hey. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you in English? Uh, we're hanging in here, yeah. Good, good. Um, listen, I had a question. I'm sorry it's kind of off topic for what you're talking about, the war on terror and all that. But I hope you can uh, enlighten me a little bit on um, a term. Uh, what, I, what I find whenever I'm debating or discussing something with somebody uh, regarding like 9-11 or any other quote-unquote conspiracy theory, you know, I hate to use that term, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring up Occam's razor, mm-hmm. meaning that the simplest explanation is usually the right one, and they say, well, nobody could ever, you know, um, the, the, such a conspiracy would never be possible, blah, blah, blah. And they always bring up Occam's razor as their one of their defenses, you know. Could you uh, maybe talk about that, explain that a little bit to us? Well, you'll find... And I talked in a show earlier before this one about how the Cecil Rhodes Society, uh, when Cecil Old Cecil was in charge of it, uh, got a bunch of mercenaries uh, together in South Africa and they attacked the Boers, the South Africans. And then they even uh, had their own reporters there who wrote back to London to say that the, the, the Boers were killing off Englishmen. And that gave the British a pretense to come in and start taking over, take the land away from South Africa, from the Boers. They always create a pretense for war. That's standard history. Standard history. If you look at the Romans, and of course a lot of the writers, the later historians will tell you, well, they brought civilization to the world. Well, they never explain what civilization is. What they brought in was a, a giant... Um, uh, militarized system that basically enslaved peoples and worked them and taxed them to death. That's what Rome did. That was civilization. That's how it was defined in those days. So they always justify the reasons for making war or stealing land or property or resources from other people. That is standard in history. I don't know if there's ever truly been a just war, to be honest with you. Uh, and the only ones we have that could possibly be just are when rebellions take place against tyranny. The people are trying to plunder their land or plunder their lives or plunder something from them or put them under slavery. That's the only time that there's a just war are from those that retaliate. Although if you retaliate, you'll always be called a terrorist. Remember the founding fathers were called terrorists. Uh, Anyone who opposed, even prior to that, the British monarchy was called a traitor and terrorist. Uh, That was standard. There was never a free society, never a free society that existed prior to the American Revolution. Uh, All over Europe, across the world, you're a subject to a monarch. That was just a subject means you were owned. You're literally owned by the monarch. And we forget that. So therefore, history is always written by the victors. And we know that people who will poo-poo the September 11th attacks, well... If they love coincidences, how come Papa Bush mentioned uh, the, the New World Order coming into view in that big speech he made on September the 11th, 1990? And then he repeated it a year later on September the 11th, 1991. 
and then his son takes over eventually and bingo 2001 comes along on September 11th and they get their merry wish but prior to that in the 90s the project for a new American century look it up on the website they're, they're, they have their own site up there this group of neoconservatives and in that project for a new American century they tell you there's always been an empire and we the American empire will run this century then they go through the list of countries that will be the potential enemies and you'll find in there there's Afghanistan Iraq Iran Syria and so on they list all the potential enemies yeah, Venezuela is in the next one as well yes and you know something you'll find that see the CIA just took over and, and actually worked with MI6 from Britain Britain ran the world for centuries they had it marked out when major things would happen in the planet, maybe a hundred years down the road. During the Vietnam War, the CIA were already working on the next wars and the next wars and the next wars. That's how you do it. And they also work on how it must be put on the public, put over to the public through propaganda. Do you remember the first World Trade Center bombing? Yeah, where the FBI actually uh, cooked a bomb and trained the drivers and... uh their inside man actually taped that's right their conversations and it's all leaked out it was on major tv and whoops yeah <laughs> that's right hold on and we'll go into that uh, we'll go into that after this break just hold on Osama 
going to be replaced in the uh, intellectual... Um, <laughs> well, yes. by a guy called Obama. I know, I know. Uh, I know, it's another farce, is, isn't it? Is yeah. that a psyop in itself, or what? Is well, that it is. A but even though, on, on, on people's minds, or what? It, it is a psyop thing in itself, sure it is. And, and even the fact that, I mean, uh, this uh, Obama has had about three or four different names in the past, so I guess this is the one they suit for the time. Yes, so they're always playing uh, it does suit very well, doesn't it? If, if you can't find credible evidence of Osama around, get a guy whose name rhymes with Osama and have him in the public domain all the time. Of course. And it's so funny, too, because even um, Osama bin Laden uh, literally means the, the one who's got the lumen. He's a lumened one. That's what it means. Truly. Uh, uh, and, yeah. And now this other guy, um, Joe Biden, has come in, and his name's sort of like Bin Laden. You know, yes. it reminds you of... Uh, that's, that's a subtle reminder of bin Laden, too, almost. Of course it is. And, and Laden is also laden. It's, it's a, the, the battery, a battery's proper name is a laden jar. That's how they created the first batteries. Uh -huh. So, so I, I just laugh when I see the names they conjure up for the public or they give families for their role in, in this particular system. Uh, you couldn't dream this stuff up in science fiction. They, they are what they do. <laughs> and it's just a big, big joke to them at the top that, that uh, we will actually vote for them. Yeah, yeah I call him Obama-sama. Yes. And uh, the BAM part, it worries me, mind you, he, he uh -huh. might use the bamming part a bit more. And uh, it was the same, too, when they had the, the earthquake and bam in Iran, remember, when they were attacking Iraq, they had the earthquake in Iran. And it, and oh, yes, was, yes, bam. They picked a place called bam. Well, that was Harpet used that caused the earthquake in the first place. <laughs> I hear the music, Alan. Nice talking oh. with you. Uh, thanks for calling. Bye. Well, from Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, where they're certainly harping us and spraying us, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs> <laughs>